For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I want to hear cannons. Outfield, pull up, ball to the five, touchdown Tampa Bay. Mike Evans does it again. Fire the cannons, Bucks. It's first and goal. Hello and welcome back, Bucks fans, to this week's game preview edition of the Cannon Fire podcast. I'm your host, as always, Rep Matthew, joined alongside me from BucksNation.com, Evan Wanish. And we are here today with some special guests to preview this divisional round matchup between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Detroit Lions. The Bucks, fresh off of a wild card win over the Philadelphia Eagles, look to keep their revenge tour on the road as they travel against another NFC contender in a rematch with a team that got the better of them earlier this season, just like Philly did. Meanwhile, for Detroit Lion fans, it's been the season of a lifetime. Just a week ago, they knocked off their former quarterback in the L.A. Rams in front of the home crowd at Ford Field, the first playoff victory for the Lions in 30-plus years. The Lions have become one of the biggest feel-good stories in football this year. With us here today, returning to the show to help us break down the game and uh, what's gotten into the Lions this season, from the Believe in Lions podcast, Jack Cavanaugh, and also in honor to be joined by Lions legend, Glover Quinn, Jack and then Glover, how are you guys doing today? Fantastic. It is just a great time to be a Lions fan. We are just riding high on that energy, and it is just nonstop excitement here. So it is great, and I cannot wait for this weekend. Glover, you were on the field for that game last week. What was that like? I heard you guys telling us before the pod just about the atmosphere in that stadium in front of the home fans. A historic game like that had to be special. I was still on mute. It's all good. We on the ain't. intro. I was still on mute. <laughs> That's my fault. But, um, oh, it's all good. I should have did it. But the energy, man, was electric from the, from the time I walked in the building. You know what I'm saying? It was just the warm-ups, the intros, you know, seeing Stafford run out and hearing the crowd. And then Jared Goff comes running out. And it's just you can feel it the whole entire time. And then throughout the whole pregame, the national anthem was amazing. It was just a beautiful, beautiful for for you know performance by the whole Lions team, and then obviously the game, the fans were incredible. The game didn't disappoint. I thought it was a good play game by the Lions. I thought the Rams played well. Matthew Stafford had some big moments. Jared Goff had some big moments, and the better team just eventually won, and they pulled it out by one point. So. It was just a great environment. The crowd was, you know, phenomenal. It was loud. Oh, man, it was just, you know, people always ask me, do I miss playing the game? And it's like, you know what? I don't really miss all the other stuff. 
but you miss games like that. Like you miss like that right there makes you want to go out and play. You know what I'm saying? So I can understand exactly what those players were feeling uh, in those in those moments. I think last weekend, when you look at the slate of games on Wild Card Weekend, Rams Lions was probably the most competitive. Definitely the game that I had the most fun watching. So I, I think if the Bucks bring their A game this weekend, which is what they tried to do last week against Philly. This could be another entertaining game and hopefully much closer than the first time these two teams met. But let's dive into some of the biggest differences between week five and here in the postseason. A lot of differences between these two teams. Evan wanted to talk to you about really what the Bucks are looking to coast off of coming into this game. The offense has really come around here in the second half of the season. We have got some defensive rookies that we can talk about as well who have really showed up and become playmakers for this Bucks team, uh, which they didn't have the last time these two teams met. But for the Bucks this week, Evan, what do you think is going to be the most important thing uh, that they can continue to do well? Yeah, I, I honestly think uh, protecting the football is going to be a pretty big key. And, uh, you know, the Buccaneers all season really have done a pretty good job of that. But um, they did have a turnover in, in that week six game early against Detroit. And luckily, you know, the Bucks defense was able to hold the Lions offense to just three points there. But uh, it, it really hurt them and it put them behind the eight ball. And it just seemed like since then, you know, they couldn't really get back to it. Uh, but in the games where Tampa Bay has uh, really done well they have protected the football and i i understand like you know that's a lot of the nfl right if you protect the football you, you have a good chance to win right the team that turns the ball over more is most likely going to uh you know have a shot to win but uh, i do think that it, it definitely matters and uh so far you know the the, the buccaneers have not been good at all. I believe they are 0-5 when turned the ball over two or more times this season. So uh, if they have multiple turnovers in a game, it's a recipe for disaster for this Bucks team. So uh, they were able to avoid turnovers last week against Philly, and a lot of their wins, especially down the stretch, they were able to avoid turnovers. And I think it's going to be no different in this one. Uh, I think at the end of the day, you're going to look at the box score of this game when it's all said and done. And you're going to see, hey, if if the Bucks win the turnover battle, good chance I think the Bucks win. If the Lions win the turnover battle, I think it's a good chance the Lions win. So uh, I do think it's really going to come down to that and who protects the football better in this one. Yeah, lackluster to describe the Buccaneers' offense is uh, being generous when you look at what happened in that last matchup with Detroit. Only 251 total yards. Uh, before we dive deeper into the offensive game plan and what Canales is going to bring to the table, I wanted to talk about some more differences between these two teams uh, and bring the Lions into the discussion here and really look at this Bucks defense versus the Lions offense because we talked about some of the differences for Tampa Bay, but I think the biggest difference for this Lions team is going to be the presence of their two starting running backs and Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery. I think David Montgomery left that first game with an injury, so he did not finish it mm -hmm. out, but the Lions didn't even have to run the ball. You know, so so that's going to be another X factor and just another dynamic uh, to this offense that the Bucks are going to have to be prepared for. But again, last time these two teams squared off, uh, the run game didn't even particularly have to show up. So it's going to be interesting to see how this Bucks defense not only approaches the run game, but Jared Goff. Uh, but Jack and then Glover, I wanted to get your opinions on where this Lions offense has gone in recent weeks uh, with you guys getting Gibbs and Montgomery ultimately back healthy and, and in full effect. Well, so the Lions offense can be very balanced with both of these backs. And it's nice because David Montgomery can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can get outside and Jameer Gibbs can run up the middle. So you just have to cover 
all ground. You have to cover all levels of the football field. As we saw last time, Jamison Williams able to take the top off. You've got the guys under the underneath running the football and catching the ball like Amon Ross St. Brown. It all is able to play off of each other. And so it's going to create some problems for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But they do still have to compete with those two linebackers that you've got at the middle via Vita Vea. Last time they shut down the run game, also got the better of Sam Laporta as well, who's not at 100%. So I'm interested to see how this shakes out, but I really do believe that the Lions can move the ball on anyone, especially and including the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Matt, I think Jack said uh, he did a lot right there, what he said. I feel like David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs, they are healthy and they're playing at a high level right now. Um, the thing that is a little concerning is the health of Sam Laporta. Like Jack was saying in that first matchup, I thought Levante David got the best of Sam Laporta that game. Um, they went at Sam a lot, and, you know, he only had maybe four catches that game. So I felt like Levante won that matchup, and and that, that was a young but healthy Sam Laporta. Right now, he's still young, but he's still dealing with a knee um, so I think that's going to be a tough matchup for him because Levante David is a 12-year vet and he's still playing at a high level. And so um, the run game is definitely going to have to be uh, effective so that maybe we can get them those linebackers to bite up on some some play actions and things like that to where we can get Amon Rossi Brown behind those guys or we can get uh, Sam Laporta open. And hopefully we can get a, a deep shot to a Jamison Williams or, you know, somebody to uh, to open up some space in the run game and the intermediate game. So it'd be really interesting to see how we come out. And I always say a lot of a lot of the games are predicated on how the game goes. You know, saying like Evan was saying, the turnover battle. If the Lions can get a couple of turnovers and get in favorable field position, it could change the whole complexion of the game in the same way for Tampa. If the Lions fall behind due to a couple of turnovers, it changes the whole complexion of the game and what you can and can't do. So both teams, you know, going to have to take care of the football and somebody's going to have to be able to make some big time plays because I think both defenses are going to match up well with these offenses. I said it last week, and I'll say it again before this game. We mentioned the run defense for Tampa Bay. I, I think that's going to be the biggest variable, uh, variable that determines what kind of game this is going to be. I know last week the Eagles were playing from behind. They're an injured unit. They're kind of a unit that is, has fallen off the wagon here to finish the year. You know, Evan actually described it great. I think we had a caller say it as well. But, you know, when you look at, the Eagles compared to the Lions, I think the biggest difference in those two teams right now, many would argue that the Eagles just have a better roster when it comes to talent, right? Maybe more talent on that roster, but one of the biggest thing the Lions have going for them right now is that they're playing as a cohesive team. They are in, an incredibly well-coached team at this time of year, and, and they are playing closer-knit than ever before. So, like, that's another difference in this matchup, too. But the Eagles last week... The Bucks forced them to be one-dimensional. You know, they kind of had to give up on the run, uh, which is something that helped them win that game in dominant fashion the first time these two teams played. When Philly came to town week three on Monday Night Football, uh, DeAndre Swift had over 145 rushing yards. I think on the day, they had over 210 rushing yards against this Buccaneers defense, and uh, they certainly clamped down, forced them to be one-dimensional in that second matchup here in the postseason. So, Evan, when you look at some other variables... Uh, the way that this Buccaneers 
defense matches up with Detroit. Is there anything else you think that could, you know, kind of make or break this game getting out of hand? Because for me this week, again, I think it's going to be the run defense. Yeah, I mean, honestly, just like Glover you know, said about, um, you know, the big plays. And, uh, you know, I think when you're looking back on that week six game, the one that stands out, he mentioned Jamison Williams there. Jamison Williams had a massive, big touchdown in that game, which basically what was was the the the, the game sealer, I guess you could say. Uh, you know, I, I think at that point, once that happened, you're like, oh yeah, this is probably not going to go the Bucks' way. The Lions probably have this one. That was really a, a backbreaker for the Buccaneers. So I, I do think limiting those big plays, but also I think both offenses are going to be trying to hit those big plays down the field. I think you know Baker Mayfield's going to still be looking to hit Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, uh, even get Kate Otten involved as he was last week. And as for the Lions, you know, Jamison Williams is their downfield threat. Like they're going to be looking for that same matchup again. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if you see a lot of him. And then Amon or St. Brown, who had over 120 receiving yards last time these two teams played, uh, including a touchdown. Uh, he's one of the best receivers in the entire NFL. So uh, they're going to be able to get the ball in his hands. They mentioned Sam Laporta. Uh, Sam Laporta obviously isn't 100% healthy, but hey, he still caught a touchdown last week. So uh, you know, he could still be effective, maybe not as effective. And, uh, you know, Levante David did do a pretty good job. I would say one of the better jobs on Sam Laporta in, in the NFL this year because Laporta's just been, you know, an absolute animal against seemingly everybody. I had him on my, on my fantasy team this year. He was my starting tight end. So I kept up with Sam Laporta pretty closely. Um, so I, I was happy to see him, you know, have, have the amount of success he did this year. Um, uh, but you know, at the end of the day, I think as for the Bucks defense, I, to me, it's, it's all about getting pressure on Jared Goff, specifically though with four. Yeah. Uh, because I, I think if you get into this business of, of blitzing, uh, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, they were not great against the blitz. That was well documented uh, that they struggled against the blitz. They struggled to counter it. The Bucks threw a lot of exotic bl- exotic blitzes at them. They couldn't figure it out. I think the Lions are better equipped. To figure that out, and I think Jared Goff is better equipped to beat that blitz as well. So I just have a feeling that if the Buccaneers and Todd Bowles get too blitz happy, I think Jared Goff could really carve them up. And I just think that the key here is going to be if the Bucks defense wants to have success, they have to be able to get pressure. Maybe not get sacks, but they have to be able to get consistent pressure and affect the pocket with just four guys so you can play coverage and be able to contain guys like Amon or St. Brown and James Williams as well. So uh, I do think that it's important for this matchup uh, on, on both sides, on both defenses. I think both defenses are going to be making it a point to get pressure on the opposing quarterback. But I think for Tampa in this matchup against Jared Goff, who has had a lot of success against Todd Bowles, like even though the Bucs beat the Rams back in 2019, Jared Goff, Threw for a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns in that game. It was, it was a shootout, right? Uh, so I do think that getting pressure in this in this matchup is going to be paramount for this team. Yeah, Jared Goff has shown an ability to get after Todd Bowles. Last time these two teams played, he went thirty for forty four, three hundred and fifty three yards and uh, two touchdowns in there as well. You also mentioned Sam Laporta. He kind of had a breakout game against the Bucks all the way back in Week Six. Four receptions and 36 yards on the day for the big tight end. And it's funny, oddly enough, about this Buccaneers defense. We can talk about all these different ways they try and slow down the weapons of Detroit and slow down this passing attack. But something about those tight ends, man. If you have got an above average uh, tight end, you know, a little bit athletic tight end, or really a wide receiver three who's more of a shifty guy people don't see coming, 
those always seem to be the guys that get open against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But we'll wrap up the discussion on the Bucs defense talking about the pass rush, and, and we talk a little bit more about the differences between this Buccaneers team back in Week 6 and uh, now. And two huge differences are going to be those rookie playmakers on the defensive side of the ball. I know because Tampa's a small market, these guys are not going to get defensive uh, rookie of the year consideration. I do think they should at least get a, a nod. Uh, one of them being Kalijah Kansi, the interior defensive lineman, finishes with four sacks on the season. But Yaya Diaby, the third-round pick from Louisville, man, was not a starter on this Buccaneers team until week 12. I, I don't think Kalijah Kansi even played in that first matchup against Detroit, if he did, I think he was very that, that, that was his That was his first game back since being injured, yes. Yes, so he was coming off of injury. Yaya Diaby wasn't really taking up many important snap counts, but Diaby has since become a starter. Didn't start until week 12, finishes with seven and a half sacks on the year, which is pretty damn impressive at the outside linebacker position. But those two rookie playmakers, and uh, obviously what Todd Bowles has become very good at, we saw it on display last week against Philly, it's mixing up those defensive fronts. It's confusing the offensive linemen and the quarterback. You know, we saw Yaya Diaby and Vita Vea at 350 pounds drop into coverage last week, which is something we've seen before. We saw Indomitian Sue drop back into coverage before. We've seen big guys like Anthony Nelson back out there basically lined up as a linebacker spot. Yaya Diaby, an outside linebacker. They sent him after the quarterback last week as a middle linebacker. It was incredible. He almost got injured on the play. Uh, but it was something I did not expect to see. And I think for Todd Bowles, the art of deception this week is going to be huge, but especially uh, the added pressure from those two rookies. I, I know, Evan, these guys are a couple of rookies, but when we talk about the overall pass rush, this is a tough li uh, Lions offensive line, but I think those guys are going to help make a big difference compared to the pass rush the Lions saw in week six. Yeah, definitely. You know, especially, you know, Yaya Diaby. Uh, Diaby led, like he led the team in sacks with seven and a half this season and not even being a starter for most of the season. Uh, he's been fantastic. And, you know, this Detroit offensive line has been good. I mean, they, they, they have been good. They got a lot of good players on it. And Jared Goff is also going to be able to, he's a veteran, you know, he's uh, going to be able to get the ball out and avoid that pressure. Uh, and then the Lions also can run the football. Like they're able to run the football uh, when need be and, and take the pressure off the quarterback you know take the pressure off that pass rush so that pass rush maybe you know can't just tee off on the quarterback because they know they're passing uh the lions threw the ball a ton the first time these two teams met uh, i don't expect the lions to throw as much this time i think especially with gibbs there now and montgomery healthy i think they're going to lean on them maybe a little bit more than they did uh but they're they're still going to sling it and it's still going to be up to the buccaneers pass rush so uh yeah yada diaby and Kalaja Kansi are two big keys not only for now but also for the future for the Bucks. Let's take Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. A look at this Lions defense and how they square off against the Bucks. Jack and Glover, I wanted to ask both of you guys. A lot of people say that the biggest weakness for this Lions defense is, is going to be the secondary. And I would argue this Buccaneers passing attack has found its legs here in the second half of the season. Although they were a little inconsistent uh, in some of the games where they've needed to show up and show up big, they have. 
So I'm curious to see uh, how the Lions will try and slow down Baker Mayfield, who has kind of been on a tear lately. Uh, what's going on with this Lions secondary? Well, sir, for the secondary here, Mike Evans versus Cam Sutton is going to be a big matchup. Last time it actually worked pretty well. Mike Evans did not have the big day. But as we saw last week, Mike Evans didn't have a big day and you still get long touchdown runs or touchdown run and catches from Trey Palmer, from David Moore. That's not going to happen with the Lions. The Lions are able to be beaten with the big play, but it's not the catch and runs. It's the over the top. It's the deep shots where Mike Evans can excel. So that's going to be a big matchup. One of the keys is going to be getting pressure on Baker Mayfield. The Liam McNeil coming back is huge. Aiden Hutchinson rushing on the right tackle instead of Tristan Wirfs on the left side. That also is a bit of a mismatch, though Luke Gadiki is quite good. That is going to be a battle there to watch. And I just think the Buccaneers may have to become one-dimensional. The Lions run defense, and a lot of time you see they're not giving up a lot of rushing yards because they're getting lit up through the air. That's not the case with the Lions. They are shutting people down. It's a low yards per carry. No running back has topped 70 yards on the ground against the Lions. So I think taking away Rashad White, forcing Baker Mayfield to throw the ball and then getting pressure, I think that does favor the Lions. Now, I do think they are going to be able to make some plays, I just think once we get into the goal line, forcing the Rams to kick three field goals three times in the red zone, that is the difference, and that's what you're hoping against the Buccaneers. Yeah, I think Jack said ex exactly how I'm feeling. I think the big plays over the top is what scared me the most. That's scaring me throughout the whole entire season. Sorry, guys, I'm driving. No, My phone is moving a little bit, but that's what it is. We just get things done however we need to get things done. But – um. I think the big plays over the top. I mean, we saw a couple of shots last week to Mike Evans. I know he dropped one uh, big play, but we all know he's capable of making those plays. He's made them throughout the course of his career. Um, the little small shifty guys that are fast, that 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 had the big plays, I those guys in this matchup concern me more because of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin because I think they could get some favorable matchups. You're going to have to put a lot of uh, eyes on Mike Evans, you're going to have to put eyes on Chris Godwin, who's healthy. And that leaves some one-on-one -on -one matchups underneath, like we saw last week, with those with those other two receivers, and they're fast guys. And no defense wants to have to try to tackle those guys in space. So I think the Lions making them one-dimensional, because I don't know if Tampa wants to commit to the run game. I think they'll try to run it, but I don't know if they want to like really commit to the run game. Um, but once they get one dimensional and have to throw the ball, the Lions are definitely going to have to get some pressure on Baker Mayfield because I think those, those wide receivers could cause some problems, especially if Mike Evans can catch one or two of those balls deep. I think that'll put a little more pressure on the line secondary and it'll definitely open up more things for the other guys underneath. So I'm really watching to see how they decide to play Mike Evans early in the game. And what's the what's the plan for Chris Godwin? Yeah, one of the biggest reasons this Buccaneers offense has come around in recent weeks is because, one, they have an ability to start the game and move the ball effectively, play aggressively, and set the tone. And they've been able to do that, uh, something they weren't able to do early in the season. But they've been able to get the ball to their playmakers, guys like Mike Evans, guys like Chris Godwin. You know, there were a couple of weeks where Mike Evans got some early targets, but second, third, fourth quarter, he really got clamped down on. So Chris Godwin had to be the guy to step up. Or like you saw last week against Philly, it wasn't the most productive day 
for big number 13, but you got a couple of 40-plus-yard touchdowns from David Moore and uh, Trey Palmer. You can't be too upset with that. But you also bring up a very good point about the Buccaneers' run game, and that's what has me even more interested in this matchup and especially how Baker Mayfield plays this week because it's a foregone conclusion for most Bucks fans that Todd Bowles and Baker Mayfield will be back here in Tampa Bay next season. But this is another playoff game where he's going to have to step up, play well, not turn the ball over, and in my opinion, shoulder most of the load on the offensive side of the ball because regardless of if the Bucks are playing from behind or playing with the lead, I don't know Evan how effective Rashad White is going to have the ability to be this week because unfortunately there's been, there's been a couple of weeks against you know a competent run defense where he has to step up and be the guy. And uh, even in the games where the Bucks offense has been rolling, you know, he still hasn't reached that point as a three down rushing back just yet. No, you know, he hasn't. And, and you know, the thing is that um, I, I do agree. Like, you know, just like you mentioned, you know, about making the bucks one dimensional um, while the bucks have improved on the ground, right. They, they have improved uh, from early in the season. I mean, it was, it was bad, right. Last year in 2022, the run game was non-existent this year. The, the first eight weeks or so, it was probably even worse than it was in <laughs> 2022. That, that's an understatement. Last year, it was historically bad, like historically the worst in the NFL. And somehow over the first eight weeks, it, it got worse. Yeah, and you know you're looking at. I know we keep going back to the last matchup here, and we don't want to keep doing that. But it's just context is important, and the Buccaneers were down for most of that game. But I mean, the Lions only won by 14, right? So it wasn't like a blowout the entire time. The Bucks had some chances they could have ran the ball. They ran 16 times for 46 yards, 2.9 yards per average. Uh, not very good, just not very good. And Baker Mayfield had to had to throw the ball a ton. He threw the ball 37 times. Um, and I, I just don't know if the Buccaneers, like you said, are going to be able to rely on uh, on, on, on Rashad White and that run game. Now, I do, and, and I believe Lee actually in the chat, in our chat here, said, uh, he asked a question and said about getting Rashad White involved in the passing game. And we didn't really see that much against Philadelphia, but we've seen it a lot, especially in the second half of this season. He has been a big piece of the Buccaneers passing game. And if Rashad White's going to make an impact on this game, I think it's more likely to be in that passing game rather than through the run game. So I do agree that like Baker Mayfield, look, it's, it's going to be mostly on his shoulders again. Like unless the Buccaneers defense can force some turnovers, the Bucs can get out to an early lead, then maybe run the ball a little bit more. I don't know, but like Detroit's pretty good at protecting the football, you know. Like Jared Goff sometimes has some turnover spells, but he's been pretty good lately. So um, I, I do think that yeah, it's going to be on Baker Mayfield again to hit those beat balls to Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, just just like Glover mentioned, just like Jack mentioned, you know, over the top there. There's going to be some opportunities, and I think, and there was also. There was opportunities in that last Detroit game. Yeah, Baker, May yeah. Baker Mayfield did not play well. Baker Mayfield missed multiple deep shots in that game, especially to Trey Palmer. I think he missed Palmer twice. Well, you remember deep shots where he was he was open, and uh, that can't happen this week, or else the Bucks are going home. Yeah, and you remember early in that game, I want to say it was the same drive as that interception early in the game in the first quarter, but. Uh, Bucks had their back against the wall, and he almost hit Mike Evans full running for what would have been an eighty-yard touchdown. And uh, was just off target. Now again, well, no, no, yeah, that, that 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 was the tip pass that was intercepted. Yeah. So uh, again, 
you talk about some of the improvements, but really for the Bucks, it's going to be staying disciplined. You know, playing the brand of football that got you here. The Bucks had to buckle down when they were four and seven and decide they they were a playoff team because you really couldn't lose any more games down the stretch in the fashion that they had. So to win the NFC South division, they had to finish well. They had to finish playing disciplined football and playing the brand of football that we saw them play against Green Bay, against Jacksonville, and ultimately against Philly on Monday night. Now, let's dive into our game predictions here. This is a loaded game. I, I, I mean, this is just, you know, for both teams, this game means so much. I mean, for the Bucs, who honestly have already overachieved this season, we've said it before on the show, that win or lose this Sunday has been a success for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, Todd Bowles coming in taking over a team that had just lost uh, just lost Tom Brady at quarterback and found themselves in absolute cap hell, had to sign what many thought would be a stopgap kind of guy in Baker Mayfield, $4 million base contract. Here he is, already earned over $3 million in incentives and likely to get a multi-year extension uh, in the offseason for Tampa Bay. First-year offensive coordinator, a lot of things needed to go right, and the Bucks won the division, and they also won a playoff game. So the biggest difference between... The Eagles team that the Bucs handled last week and this Lions team is that ultimately the Lions want to be here. Uh, You know, the Lions are ready to punch their ticket, continue to make history in what has been one hell of a season for them and their fans and and head to the NFC Championship game. But, you know, I'm probably a little bit biased. I would love nothing more than for the Bucs to play upset here in this one. They're going to have to be on their P's and Q's. Evan, I will toss it to you. We'll do some score predictions here. I think the Bucs are capable of putting up more than six points this time around. So, I I don't think this is a shootout, but I do think this is an entertaining game. Just like, you know, Rams-Lions a week ago. Competitive, not the highest scoring game, but competitive and fun to watch, to say the least. So, I I can't pick against the Bucs in the postseason. I'm sorry, guys. My brain says otherwise, but my red and pewter heart says the Buccaneers take this one on the road. A very tough game but they win by a field goal, 24-21. Evan, your final score prediction here. Yeah, I also have both teams in the 20s. Um, I do think that it's going to be pretty similar to that Rams and Lions game. Uh, I think the Bucks' offense, you know, last time these two teams played, I think the Bucks were still trying to find themselves as an offense, right? They're still trying to work in a brand-new offense with Dave Canales, Baker Mayfield still trying to work stuff out, still trying to fit in a lot of new pieces into that offense. So I do think you'll see a better offensive performance by the Buccaneers uh, this time around. I think being in Detroit is going to matter. You know, just like Glover talked, Talked about just like Jack talked about that energy in that stadium uh, was insane, and I do think you know there's some factors there. First home playoff game in a long time, uh, the return of Matthew Stafford, right? Uh, Jared Goff against his former team. There's a lot at stake there, but I don't think that's going to change, right? Just because it's a different opponent, uh, I don't necessarily think that energy is going to change. I honestly, I think this one. I think it's a coin flip. I, I I really do think this is a coin flip game, and I could see it going either way. I think both these teams are playing pretty good football right now. I I, I real I really do think they're they're playing pretty good football. I'm gonna go with the Buccaneers. Um, and I actually had 24-21 in my head, Rhett, but since you went 24-21, I'll go 26-24, uh, Buccaneers. To get a little bit of a different score there. Uh, just, you know, like I said, I if you flip a coin, heads are the Bucks, tails are the Lions. Uh, I, I just I could see this one playing out either way, but I'll, I'll go with the Bucks here. 
Sorry, my mic was off. Jack, you said it yourself. It is hard to beat a team twice, but curious to see what you and Glover uh, think of this matchup. Yeah, it's hard to beat a team twice, but I do think that the Lions are capable of beating the Buccaneers twice. I do think that they are the better team. I do think it's going to be a competitive game. I think in the end, it's going to be a 10-point difference, not because it's not close all game long. I just think that extra touchdown, extra field goal at the end is going to go in favor of the Lions. So I'm going to go with 27-17. to Lions win by 10 points, but it's not the kind of... Lions take off. It's going to be chipping away. It's going to be back and forth. Fourth quarter football is where the Lions will make their difference. The balanced attack all game long leads to a big play. So I'm going to go 27 to 17 for the Detroit Lions with the win. I understand you had to pick the Buccaneers here, but we all know it's going to be the Lions. Right, Glover? Oh, no question. No question. And, you know, I think, you know, on the road to a Super Bowl, there's you have to be able to win in a lot of different ways. And I think throughout the course of the season, throughout the course of, you know, these last few years, the Lions offense has been always the top of the team, right? The defense has always been what's held them back. The secondary, this, that, this, that. And I think on this journey, you have to have one of those games where you show that you can win a game offensively. And you have to show that you can win a game defensively. And I think this is one of those games where the Lions defense step up to the challenge and play really well secondary-wise against this deep, this, this, this Tampa Bay offense and, and really put on the show. And I think the Lions will get the win. And I think it'll be a 24 to 10, 24 13 type of ball game. I think the Lions will eventually they'll score their points. I don't like like Jack said, I don't think it's gonna be a, a runaway 21 something in the first quarter. But I think over the course of the game, touchdown here, field goal there, field goal there, another touchdown here. I think they get to 21 and 24, somewhere where they was at last game. But I think they hold Tampa whose offense is better than it was the first time they played. Um, but I think they'll hold them to 10 to 14. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go 24 to 13. Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Baker Mayfield playing with a little bit of extra bulletin board material this week after the comments made uh, from CJ Gardner Johnson. But aside from that, really, uh, it seems like a lot of teams, or it seems like two teams that have a lot of respect for each other coming into this matchup. The Bucks know what they have on their hands with the Detroit Lions, and uh, it's been cool to hear Dan Campbell's comments all week about guys like Baker Mayfield and even Levante David, you know, saying a lot of great things about the 33-year-old linebacker, saying that he seemingly looks younger every single year. So I am looking forward to a great matchup between these two teams. The winner will head to the NFC Championship game. It's going to be one hell of a storyline no matter who wins this one. But uh, the most we can hope for is a competitive game that is fun to watch. But ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this week's game preview episode of the Cannon Fire podcast. want to say thank you to our very special guest, Jack Cavanaugh and Glover Quinn from the Believe in Lions podcast. Thank you guys for your time, for jumping on, talking ball with us. Always a pleasure. Uh, Jack and then Glover, where can people find you on social media? 
You can find me everywhere at Javanaugh87, and you can find us on the Believe in Lions podcast anywhere you get your podcast. No matter the platform, you can find us on YouTube as well. Just search Believe in Lions because it's the best Lions coverage that you can find from a guy who has been there, done that, still currently doing that with the Detroit Lions. Glover going to be back there on Sunday, so make sure you follow him as well for all of those behind-the-scenes looks. Yes, definitely follow me at Glover Quinn on uh, Instagram, have more handles on that page, but you can find that page and check me out. I do post a lot on game day behind the scenes stuff. The stories will be filled up with just different things from tailgating to pregame, postgame, during the game, all types of things. So it should be some, hopefully some good content, you know, coming. So yeah, you can follow me on there. Um, I'm on Twitter, Global Coin Jr. Um, and Jack gave you the podcast information. So, yeah, check us out. Thank you, guys. Again, you can find our show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. You can find my co-host, Evan, on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL, and check out his written work at BucksNation.com. What have you got this week to get folks ready for the game, Evan? Uh, yeah, going to have the Q&A out soon uh, with uh, Pride of Detroit. And then also going to have uh, my X Factor out as well, which it is going to be Baker Mayfield. I did decide that it will be Baker Mayfield. So just taking a look at, you know, how Baker Mayfield played last time these two teams played and also what Baker Mayfield needs to do this time in order for the Buccaneers to secure the W. Last but not least, you can find myself, Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T. AKUS, if you follow me, I will follow you back. But that's the show. Thank you once again to our special guest, Jack Cavanaugh and Glover Quinn from the Believe in Lions podcast. I'm your host, Rep Matthew, signing off from my co-host, Evan Wanish. We will talk to you guys live on Sunday. Win or lose, immediately following the game, we'll be live right here, youtube.com forward slash cannon fire podcast. We'll talk to you then. Thank you, as always, for listening. And until next time, go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.